What a perfect day to start our next series called Heroes, Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to all of you moms, moms-to-be. We're glad you're here with us today. It's a perfect day to start this new series because moms do heroic things, don't they? If we could go around the room with microphones and talk to each person and say, what did your mom do in your life that was heroic? Most of us would have a story about something their mother did. My mom just getting me to like 18 years old, that was talk about a task. I mean, she's a hero for being able to do that. And every day, moms do heroic things. Moms who work at home, cook and clean and iron and wash and change diapers and sit in carpool and pick up after us sometimes. And then dad comes home in the evening and dad gets there and he finds one cup that he'd left there from the night before on the counter and he washes it and then announces it to the whole house. I've washed a cup. Does that happen to anybody's house but mine? You let everybody know, honey, I'm washing this cup while you're, you know, paving the driveway. You know, I'm in here washing the cup. Happy Mother's Day, moms. Thank you for all you do for us. And, and like I said, it's a great day to start this new series called Heroes. You can read along with us as we read from the Bible. In that book, there's a lot of stories about people who were just ordinary people like you and me just regular people. And God used them to do extraordinary things. It's amazing when you read story after story of how God found people in their ordinary lives and called them to do something extraordinary. In fact, the people that we might pick to do something great, that we might pick to accomplish great tasks, maybe that probably wouldn't be the same people that God would pick because God often picks those who were picked over often picks those who are left out that may not be the fastest or the strongest or the best in the eyes of the world. And God picks those people, those ordinary people, and he says, I'm going to do something extraordinary in your life. And over the next few weeks in this series called Heroes, we're going to look at ordinary person after ordinary person that just did something because of God that was extraordinary. So don't miss any of this series. If you're feeling like my life's just plain, my life's just ordinary, I don't feel like I'm accomplishing anything, you need to come to every week of this series because we're going to talk about some people who accomplished great things because God did something extraordinary with them. The first one we're going to talk about is a mom who did something heroic. In fact, you may have never heard this lady's name before. She's in the Old Testament, but you may have just known her as... Moses' mother. Her name is Jacobed. And Jacobed did something heroic. It's in Exodus chapter 1 and chapter 2. You can read the history of this story and then the story itself. But she did something so heroic. Not only did it change her life, not only did it change a nation, what she did changed the world. In Exodus chapter 1, you can read about the story of the Israelites being brought into slavery in Egypt. And the reason they were brought into slavery is because Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, was intimidated by them because they were getting bigger and bigger and bigger in numbers. And he thought, well, all these people have to do is figure out if they get in and if they ally with our enemies, then they'll defeat us and they'll be our rulers. So what he decided to do was bring them all into slavery, put slave masters over them that would beat them, that would push them down, that would oppress them. And he thought, if I can do this, then they won't multiply anymore and I'll have them defeated. 
But the more Pharaoh oppressed the Israelites, the more they multiplied. The larger their nation got, the more men they had. So Pharaoh got even more worried and thought, they're going to get an army against me and they're going to defeat me. So he decided, well, I'm going to start this thing out at the beginning. I want all of you Egyptian midwives that help with the births of the Israelite babies. I want you to kill every boy that's born. Let the girls live, kill the boys. And the Egyptian midwives decided they couldn't do it. When the babies were born, the mothers would hold them so close, they just couldn't bring themselves to kill all the baby boys. So Pharaoh hatched another plan. Because the the nation kept growing and kept growing. And Pharaoh said, here's what we're going to do. All you slave masters, when the babies are born, the ones that are girls, let them live. The ones that are boys, take them and throw them into the river. Kill them all. And there won't be an army to fight against me. Well, this mother, Jacobed, in the middle of all of this social climate that was going on with babies being killed, in this climate of slavery, she had a little boy And she didn't want him to die. So she decided, I'm going to hide him. And she hid him away from all the slave masters for three months. And when she couldn't hide him anymore, she made a very difficult decision. She made a basket and fixed it so it was waterproof. She put the little boy in it. And she went down by the river and she just put him in the river and she walked away. She gave up control of the situation, realizing I can't hide him anymore. If I don't do something, he's going to die. I don't know what's going to happen next, but but God, I know that if I give this child to you, I know that if I place him in this basket, I'm going to trust you, God, to do something with him. And she put him in the basket, and she walked away, facing a lot of uncertainty for the hope of what God would do. Trusting God with the outcome. There's a lot to unpack in that story of the slavery and the babies being killed and Jacobet doing what she did. So go home and read that story in Exodus chapter 1 and 2. It's a great story to to read to just see how somebody can really walk by faith. Somebody can really trust God for all the outcome and do what's difficult. But I wrote down a few observations as I read through this story. I thought here's a few things I think people should hear. And the first one is, having faith means giving up control and embracing uncertainty. Man, write that down. Having faith means giving up control and embracing uncertainty. Faith, by definition, involves a loss of control. It's saying, I'm going to give up control of this part of my life or my whole life. I'm not going to control, and I'm going to, by faith let control be given away to God. And faith also embraces uncertainty. Faith means you're just going on faith, that you're going to pray, you're going to hope, and you're going to count on something other than you for the outcome. And because we don't know what's around the corner, we don't know what's going to happen the next hour, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, we've got to deal with a certain level of uncertainty in life. By faith, she put her baby in a basket and walked away having no idea what the outcome would be. She knew she had to do it to save his life, but she had to be filled with uncertainty. She had to be thinking, is he going to live? Is he going to die? Who's going to find him? She had to totally let go of control. And that may be enough for you to say, well, hold on a second. 
I'm doing pretty good in life. Things are going pretty well. I, I mean, I'm making the payments, money's flowing, and, and it seems like I got everything under control. And now you're saying faith means I need to release control. That's not comfortable. I don't like to do that because what do we like to do? Control. We like to know what's coming. But the truth is, in life, there's always going to be this element of uncertainty. Many times, uncertainty is an enjoyable thing. Many times, it's a painful thing. Many times, it's a confusing thing. But in life, there's uncertainty. In life, things happen you never anticipated. Don't you love a movie that has this great plot twist where you think one thing's going to happen and this person's going to get the hatchet and then it's really this other person and it's just like it's going in one direction and all of a sudden whew, it turns around, it's going in another direction, makes you jump in your seat. I love those kind of movies that just, just get freak you out, you know. I watch those alone because my wife hates them. But movies that have this plot twist, that's how life is. Life is full of plot twists. Life is full of twists and turns that you never can anticipate. And faith embraces uncertainty. Do you think she was certain when she placed the baby in the basket that he was going to be found? you think she was certain that he was going to live? But her faith was not in uncertainty her faith was in God who could see the big picture, who did know what was going to happen, who could take care of the child. Her faith was in God doing what was best for the child. And you know, in life, uncertain things happen, bad things happen. You know, for some people, Mother's Day may be a difficult time. It may remind you of a painful time in your life. But life is full of uncertainties. And every place where we try to be certain and we try to control is a potential for something to bring a lot of unhappiness into our life. We'll never have all the answers. We'll never know why to some things. We'll never be able to say, this is why all these things happen. It'll just never happen because there are just uncertainties in life. And many people go through life wanting to control everything or to learn enough or accomplish enough or earn enough just so they can be comfortable. And if you read how God interacts with people, God's, one of God's least desires for us is that we be comfortable. I don't think he wants us to be comfortable at all. Because comfort says, the kind of comfort I'm talking about says, I've arrived. I've made it. I've got it all figured out. I've got it all under control. And now I'm comfortable. But the quicker you come to grips with the fact that you can't figure it all out, you can't have all the answers, and some things in life are just uncertain, the better life will be. The, the quicker you say, you know what? I've tried to control things. I've made a mess. It doesn't work. The quicker you decide that, the quicker you make that decision, the better life is going to be. She just took the baby, placed him in a basket, and by faith walked away. And you might think, wow, that was a lot of faith. People with a lot of faith must accomplish great things. People with this huge ball of faith in their life, that they must accomplish great things. That's not what Jesus said at all. You know what Jesus said? 
This is how much faith Jesus asked us to have. I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you to do. Jesus is saying, and he's probably holding a little mustard seed while he's saying this, teeny tiny little seed saying, if you could just have this much faith, just this much, you will be able to do things in life you couldn't do otherwise. Because when you try to control and you try to dictate the outcome and you try to make it all planned out and you try to just be for sure what's up around the corner, that's not really faith at all. And Jesus says, if you just have enough faith in me, as small as a mustard seed, you will do things you wouldn't do otherwise. So just think of what you can accomplish by being a perfect planner, a perfect organizer, how much easier that might make your life sometimes. And Jesus said, you can even do more than that if you just have faith as big as a mustard seed. In fact, nothing you really want to do will be impossible for you, Jesus says. Just let go of control, embrace uncertainty, and amazing things will start to happen in your life. Now, to some people, when you talk about letting go of control and embracing uncertainty, they might think, that sounds irresponsible. That sounds like throwing caution to the wind. Is that what you're saying? Just kind of throw caution to the wind? Well, yeah, that is what I'm saying. Because Jacobed put the baby in the basket and said, God, this may not feel natural. It may not feel like it's just the perfect thing to do here. But I know that if I don't, I know what the outcome is going to be. So I'm just going to put him in the basket and I'm just going to trust you for the outcome. So God, I'm going to just have mustard seed faith and I'm going to put him in the basket and I'm going to trust you for the outcome. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying don't make plans, don't organize, don't try to anticipate, don't set goals. I'm not saying any of that because we need to do those things in life. And I'm finding out more and more how beneficial it is to look out five years, 10 years, 20 years and say, what am I going to be? What am I going to do? Where are we going to go? And that's beneficial. But here's the thing about plans. Make plans, but write it in pencil. Because it can always change. I'm sure that Jacobed did not plan on having to give up her baby at three months old. I'm sure she didn't plan on Pharaoh saying, I'm going to kill all the boys so there'll never be an army against me. I'm sure she didn't plan on having to make a basket and lay him in it and walk away. I would imagine none of those things were in her five-year plan as a mother. In fact, when Jacobed, I found that, I didn't even know this. There are things I don't know. When Jacobed, when Jacobed had this baby, she was 130 years old. It's like, wow, that's got to be a misprint. So I checked, cross-checked, she was 130 years old. And she was able to exercise such faith and lay that baby in the basket and change the plans that she might have made that she might have been holding close to her heart, but she did what she had to do so the baby could live. She gave him to God and trusted him for the outcome. Now, it's okay to make plans and beneficial to make plans and put a target out there, but just do it with a pencil that has a huge eraser on the end of it. Who has experienced significant non-anticipated changes in their life in the last five years. Things you didn't plan on. Wow, most of us that will raise our hands will say, yeah, there's some things that I didn't plan on. 
when uh, I was in college, I'd go to the placement office because you get close to graduating. You got to start thinking about a job. So I go to the placement office and sit down. And the first thing this man sitting across from a desk, he would say, Donnie, where do you see yourself in five years? And I'm like, I'm 22. I don't know where I'm going to be. I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow yet. You know, five years, you're asking me to plan. If I knew what I was doing in five years, I wouldn't be in here talking to you. Right? People who try to plan out every little moment in life usually live a frustrated life. That's the truth. I don't know anybody that tries to plan out every moment of every day, three years from now, two years from now. Everybody I know that does that, they are a frustrated person because so many things come at us. It's okay to plan, have your plan, but understand I've got to adjust it. I've got to adapt it. And maybe things are going to happen that I don't anticipate. In fact, I guarantee things are going to happen that you're not anticipating. So make your plan, but understand it's in pencil and it may have to change and it probably will have to change. So if the way you're planning is frustrating you, if the way you're planning hasn't changed the world yet like you hope it's going to, if your attention to every detail five years from now hasn't changed your whole family and everybody around you yet, let me give you some advice. Look to the master planner. In Jeremiah 29, God says this, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. See, no matter what detours come my way in life, no matter what uncertainties I have to face, I know that God provides for me today, and I know He's going to be providing for me five years from now. So when I make my five-year plan where I'd like to see myself and my family or my church or whatever, I always make that with the understanding that, God, this is me a messed up person trying to make this five-year plan. So if there's something better that I'm missing, please come in and mess the thing up because he is the master planner. You know, some of the most memorable times in my life have been totally unscripted. You can't script spontaneity. Has anybody tried to do that? You know, I'm going to be spontaneous next Thursday. I'm sure of it. Some of the, the happiest greatest times in my life were those times that were unscripted and unplanned. One time, this might freak some of you out. One time I loaded up my family in the van and we knew we were going to Bozeman, Montana. We were sure of that. And we knew we had 14 days to do it. And that was the plan. That was it. I knew I had enough money to eat and we could sleep in the van if we had to. And we just drove. And when we saw something we wanted to see, we stopped to see it. If we didn't want to stop, we didn't stop and just prayed that that town would have a hotel that night and we wouldn't have sleep in the van. Does that freak anybody out? Was that just make your blood pressure like, you mean cross country and you didn't have the itinerary and what was going to happen? No. And it's, it's okay to do that. I'm just saying when you release control, when you understand that there's uncertainty in life and spontaneous things happen for the good and for the bad, when you let that go, life will begin to make sense in places it never made sense before. When you just hit the road and trust God for the outcome, try it. Just try it for, try it for a few weeks and see if it works. Here's how life goes for most people. They're in elementary school, little kids. 
both my girls are in elementary school, and so they can't wait. The oldest is getting ready to go to middle school, so they're excited. It's middle school. One's going to get the, you know, the whole elementary school to herself. The other one's going away, and so they're excited. El- elementary school's almost over for one of them. They can't wait. Elementary kids can't wait to get into middle school. And then they get in middle school, and they realize, oh, gosh, i got to get through this because I'm the youngest. I want to be the oldest. This is no fun anymore. And middle school is just bad. I, I don't like it. And, and, and just can you imagine the kids just thinking, we got to hurry, get through middle school. I've heard parents say, oh, I cannot wait till middle school's over. Whew, what hard years. And you parents that have middle school kids, I can see all your heads shaking. Just can't wait till it's over. And then high school comes. Now it's time to drive. Now it's time to start thinking about college. Now it's time to really try to start thinking about what you might want to do with your life. Visit colleges. Have you saved enough money for college? So it's hurry, hurry, hurry. Let's get through high school. And then you get through high school and now college. You might be on the four-year plan, the five-year plan, the six-year plan. Whatever plan you're on, you're thinking, I got to get through college. I got to get through this. I hate going to class. I hate studying. I hate having to do all this research. I want to hurry and get through college so, so I can get me a career. I can get me a husband or a wife, and, and I can just get out in life, and life can begin. So then you graduate from college. You start working. And you think, man, I wish I was back in college because that was a whole lot easier than all this work I have to do. So you're hurrying through life thinking, okay, we'll have kids. We're going to build a house. We're going to buy cars. We're going to go in debt. We're going to get out of that. And, and, and then we're going to get to retirement and we're going to be able to rest. And we're sitting on a porch in Florida somewhere, sipping a nice drink, feet kicked up. And you think, where did all the time go? Well, you hurried through it. Everybody was hurrying from the time they were a child until the time you look back and say, where did life go? It was all predictable. It was all planned out. It was all regimented in my vocabulary. Another way to spell the word predictable is B-O-R-I-N-G. That's just me. I believe that God wants us to enjoy the journey. In John 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. Not just, I've come so they can go to heaven off in the future. I've come so they can have eternal life with me. And that's true. We can have all that. But he's saying, I've come so they can enjoy life now. I've come so they can enjoy heaven on the way to heaven. That's why I'm here. I've come so they can live a full life. Now, if you're hurried and worried and predictable and controlled life is working for you today, don't let me mess it up. You don't, don't change it. If it's working for you. If you're not frustrated, if you're okay with everything being regimented, if that works for you, come and talk to me because I I haven't been able to make anything like that work. But for the rest of us normal people, we need to give up control. Embrace uncertainty. Make plans. Yes, make plans out in the future. Be responsible, of course. But give up control and make all the plans with a pencil. You know, the blockbuster point from Jacobed's life is that she erased her plans, faced uncertainty, gave up control, and placed her baby in a basket and let him go. Everything she had planned, everything she had hoped, all of her dreams were placed in that basket on one day and let go. She did a very heroic thing by just putting him in the basket and letting him go. Listen what God did with that one heroic act. How he used this ordinary mother to do something extraordinary. 
So the baby's there, left by the river. And Jacobed's already gone back home, probably torn up inside. And Pharaoh's daughter is down by the river and finds the basket with the baby. And Pharaoh's daughter, being a spoiled princess, says, oh, nice, a toy. I want to take him home and keep him. So she picks the baby up. She takes him home and realizes, I can't take care of a baby. So she has these slaves that work for her. And one of those slaves that worked for Pharaoh's daughter, her name was Miriam. And Miriam was the sister of Moses, who was left in the basket. So now God orchestrated it. So Jacob had left the baby. It went to Pharaoh's house himself right there. And then Miriam, the baby's sister, is there to help take care of the baby. And Pharaoh's daughter realizes, I don't know how to take care of a baby. I need a nanny. Anybody in here know where a good nanny is? Miriam says, I know somebody. I know somebody that can nurse this baby and help you raise this baby. And guess who it was? It was Jacobed, Moses' mother. So she released him back to God, and then she got to have a hand in raising him. He didn't die. She changed her plans. And, and no, she didn't get to do it the way she wanted to, but her baby got to live. And still be part of her family. And not only that. Not only did she get to have a hand in raising her son. Her son went on to be the person. And you know this story. Her son went on to be the person who stood before Pharaoh and said, Let these people go. Let my people go out of bondage. So Moses, the little boy that was left in a basket by faith by his mother, ended up being the man that stood before Pharaoh and said, let these people go. And he led them out of Egypt towards the promised land. So this little boy became a leader of leaders, a leader of a nation, a man with enough boldness to go before Pharaoh and say, let these people go, all because of the heroic act of his mother, leaving him in the basket. The question I have for you today, the question you need to ask yourself today is what do I need to put in my basket? What do I need to let go, put it in the basket, stop trying to control, stop trying to manipulate, stop trying to anticipate everything that's going to happen and finally say, okay, God, I'm putting it in this basket. I'm closing the lid on it and it's yours. I'm okay with uncertainty. I'm okay with not being in control. God, it's yours. God, my marriage is yours. Take it. God, my finances are yours. Take it. My career is yours. Just take it. The things I've been worrying about, the things that keep me frustrated, the fears that are in my heart. Okay, God, they're all yours. I bet every person in here could leave something in the basket and say, God, I I just can't do this anymore. The uncertainty of that gives you more certainty than anything you could do on your own. Because if you could have fixed the things in your life right now that's got you a mess inside, wouldn't you have already fixed them? If you could have made the marriage perfect by now, wouldn't you have already done it? If you could have gotten contentment by now, wouldn't you already have done it? If you could have dealt with the pain that maybe nobody knows about, wouldn't you already have done it? Maybe it's time to just say, God, I'm going to stop trying to control this thing. I'm going to give it completely and totally 
to you. Do a heroic thing. Everybody here can. Everyone here can be a hero, and God can accomplish something extraordinary in your life, something that otherwise couldn't be.